Hello, Fasic family, and welcome back to another episode of the Fasic Feel Good podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Bruce. When you think about what happens when we don't get either good quality sleep or good quantity sleep, holy cow, dude, it's like unbelievable. There's mental effects, there's emotional effects, there's um, physical effects. I mean, you name it. So I'm going to give all of your listeners a five-step plan that they can start tonight, won't cost them a dime, and it will absolutely improve their sleep. Dr. Bruce is a clinical psychologist and sleep specialist. He's known as America's Sleep Doctor and has written several books of the importance of sleep. Today we're going to talk about why sleep is such an important part of a healthy lifestyle, how you can sleep better, and how to optimize your fasting schedule for a better night's rest. Hey, Dr. Bruce. Great to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Definitely. I, I guess you, you feel well-rested, right? <laughs> I do feel well-rested. That's definitely a question that I get asked often. And you know, it's funny. Everybody has a different amount of sleep that makes them feel well-rested. We used to always think, oh, it's got to be eight hours or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, everybody's sleep need is a little bit different. So it's really more of a range. Last night for me, um, we have a new puppy here in our house. So that made things a little co little crazy, um, making sure that he made it through the night. But uh, I was in bed by midnight and I was up about 7 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, in general, right, health is always individual. And obviously, sleep is a big part of health. We at Fasting always see health as holistic. It's not just about fasting. Yes. Um, fasting is one big part of, of our mission, obviously, but also nutrition, um, mindset, and health, and definitely sleep. So we've got a lot of information in general about uh, sleep and fasting, obviously, on our app. But uh, judging by all the comments we have got recently, I just found it was uh, yeah time to get an expert on about sleep and who better than yourself. So we'll be great to just well, thank you. We'll, we'll be great to just start with the basics. I mean, a lot of us know why sleep okay. is important, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even if we don't really know why. So maybe you could just give us a bit more information on what actually happens when we sure. when we sleep and what does a normal cycle look like. Absolutely. So when we think about sleep, there's really two distinct processes in our brain that when they work together in concert and are balanced, allows our body to achieve what I would consider to be optimal sleep. So these two systems, one of them is called your sleep drive. The other is called your sleep rhythm. All right. So let's break these down a little bit and, and for the audience. So sleep drive is a lot like, like hunger, right? So I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I eat something and that hunger begins to dissipate. Mm -hmm. The same holds true with sleep. When a cell eats a piece of glucose, something comes out the back end. One of those things is, an, is a transmitter called adenosine. Adenosine works its way through your system and goes to a very specific receptor site area in your brain. As adenosine accumulates, you get sleepier and sleepier and sleepier. Now, just as an aside, as you probably have known from my books, I'm kind of a sleep geek and I like to learn all kinds of weird sleep facts. It turns out that if you look at the molecular structure of adenosine and the molecular structure of caffeine, they're off by one molecule. Just kind of amazing if you think about it. Like the substance in our brain that makes us fall asleep is literally one wow. molecule difference from the substance that keeps people awake all around the world and is probably one of the biggest threats to sleep in and of itself. 
But that's sleep drive, and that's how the drive part works. But there's a second system that's very, very important, and that's called your sleep rhythm, or what I call your circadian rhythm. So also very similar to hunger, people have a tendency to get hungry around breakfast time, around lunch time, and around dinner time. At least here in North America, most people seem to have a tendency to get sleepy somewhere between like 10 and like 11, 11.30 at night. So when your sleep drive is high and your circadian rhythm is on point, you will sleep. But if either one of them is off, you will fall into one of two categories. You'll either have a sleep disorder, like apnea or narcolepsy or restless leg syndrome, or you'll have what I call disordered sleep. Mm. So disordered sleep is, I don't quite have a sleep disorder, but you know, hey Michael, I got five, six, seven hours of sleep. I woke up and I still feel like crap, what's going on? That's the area I focused a lot of attention on with my most recent books and all of my research. But generally speaking, these two systems, when working well with each other, allow the body to sleep. Oh, okay, very interesting. I mean, like, it's, it's just a science for itself, right? And right. have you got any tips, like, or actually, before we go into that, I, I would, like, what's your, your rhythm? Like, what do you go mm -hmm. by? Do you switch <laughs> so it up? A, or so it's a great question. Yeah. So, so it's a great question. So if we break down circadian rhythms, it turns out that there are four different types okay. of circadian rhythms. Now, these are called what's called a chronotype. Now, people may not have heard of the term chronotype, but actually almost everybody has heard of the concept. Have you ever been called an early bird or a night owl before? Of course. Right? Have you? Of, of course, right? So those are chronotypes. So Back in the 70s, we used to think um, there was early birds, there were people in the middle, and there were night owls. And that was kind of all we really thought about. My contribution to the literature in my third book called The Power of When, I discovered a fourth chronotype, one for insomnia. So my personal chronotype, though, is I'm a night owl. So I never go to bed before midnight. I mean, ever. And to be honest with you, dude, I hate mornings. I always tell people the I only thing you. I hate more than mornings are morning people because they're so damn chipper all the time and make me crazy. I'm like, oh, make it stop. Make it stop. So I'm a night person for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I I remember when, uh, obviously growing up, my dad was a morning person and he was in such a good mood every morning. I was just like, oh man, I I can't be doing with this. But I, I on the same time, he, I probably got on his nerves in the evening because I just couldn't go to bed like yourself before midnight. So right. very interesting. I mean, sleep. Well, and here's what's also interesting about that is as a young man, Almost everybody is a night owl because our internal biological rhythm shifts. So when we turn about 13, 14, 15 years old until we're about 20, um, most teenagers love to stay up late and love to sleep late, right? So think about, you know, you wanted to stay up and play video games, yeah. talk to your buds, you know, do your thing. And then come Saturday, you could probably sleep until like noon, you know, one o'clock. My son, he can sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon and he's 19. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, I was one of those. I had that talent as well back then. I can't do that anymore, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, good old days, definitely. What, what about people who, who work night shifts? So we've got listeners who obviously have night shifts as right. well. What can, you, what can you say about that? So night shift work is very difficult. So let's, let's break this down just a little. Let's do a little double tap yeah. real quickly on night shift, right? So number one, it's easier if you're already a night owl like me to do a night shift. Right? So if your body naturally wants to stay up late and sleep late, 
then it's okay to be a, be on the night shift. But what if we're like your dad, right? Where you said your dad liked to get up early yeah. and go to bed early. That's not the type of person that should probably get a night shift job, number one. Number two, there's unfortunately a lot of data that suggests that working the night shift is not healthy. Um, in fact, we see higher levels of suicide, higher levels of depression, higher levels of loneliness. We also see higher levels of physical health problems, higher levels of pain, higher levels of obesity, um, higher levels of all kinds of things when people are up at night, when quite honestly, their bodies should be asleep. Now, don't get me wrong, dude. I understand why people work the night shift. You get paid more a lot more usually, like time and a half and sometimes double time. But even nicer, you don't have to deal with a whole lot of people, right? It's like, you know, it's like you kind of, if you're an introvert, if you're somebody who doesn't like a lot, like I'm an extrovert, right? I don't mind hanging out, chit-chatting and things like that. But if you're somebody who likes to keep to themselves, night shift work might be something that's that's very attractive to you. But please, please, please be careful um, and make sure that if you're gonna work the night shift, you gotta get good sleep during the daytime. So. How do you do that? You have to prepare your bedroom so that during the daytime, it's dark, it's cool, and it's quiet. Um, that way, people, when they get home from work, have, an, have a cave, if you will, right, that they can go into and be able to really get the sleep that they need. So when we talk about shift work, we really talk about things like understanding our bodies, understanding our chronotypes, and then creating an environment which is conducive to sleep during the daytime. Makes, makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, there's so many benefits in general you can get through a good night's sleep or a good sleep in general, oh, yeah. right? Or if, if your night shift during the day mentally and physically. So what, what do you think are the, the biggest benefits mentally and physically um, with a good sleep? Oh, wow. Well, here's what's interesting is we know more about what happens when we don't sleep well than when we do sleep well, right? Sleep deprivation. So this term sleep deprivation is very individual. Let me give you an example. So as I said before, I go to bed around midnight. I wake up somewhere between 6.30 and 7. So I get about six and a half, seven hours of sleep. That's perfect for me. If my wife did the same thing, she'd be miserable. My wife goes to bed at around 10.30, she gets up around 7.30, so she gets nine hours of sleep. If she tried to get my sleep schedule, she would be sleep deprived, but yet I, as you can tell, have full of energy and have no interest in having to sleep that long. So one thing I want to be clear for all of your listeners is that sleep deprivation or the lack of sleep is personal. That's number one. Okay. Number two, a lot of times we have a tendency to think of it as minutes or hours, when the truth of the matter is, is we need to be thinking about it from a quality perspective, more so than from a quantity mm. perspective, right? And what's interesting about this is if you really pay attention, know what your chronotype is and only sleep during those chronotypical hours, here's what's interesting is the, the actual sleep that you get is of higher quality. You get more deep sleep and you get more REM sleep. And that turns out to be incredibly, incredibly important over, over the long haul. So when you think about what happens when we don't get either good quality sleep or good quantity sleep, holy cow, dude, it's like unbelievable. There's mental effects, there's emotional effects, there's um, physical effects. I mean, you name it. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a couple of examples. In the physical side of things, we know that, for example, for a male athlete, if they get less than, it's like six hours of sleep a night, 
their reaction time slows by almost 30%, right? Now, that might not be a big deal to most people out there, but if you're driving a car, that's a big deal, right? Or if you're out shooting hoops with your buddies, the, that ball's gonna fly right by you because you're you're slower than you than you normally would be. Especially for men, we see a decrease in testosterone significantly when people are sleep deprived. A thirty a twenty two year old athlete, if he only gets six hours of sleep a night, will perform like a thirty two year old athlete. I mean, we're talking ten year difference on testosterone, man. Like that's a big big deal. <clears throat> on the cognitive side of things. Our memory is directly affected by the amount of sleep that we get. Most specifically, the REM sleep that we get, or what we call REM sleep. That's where we have the mental restoration that occurs. The second area that we have to be really careful about is getting that stage three, four sleep, which is our physical restoration, right? So we've talked a little bit about physical. We've talked a little bit about mental. What about emotional things that go on with sleep deprivation? I can tell you something right now. I am a cranky pain in the ass if I don't get a good night's sleep, right? I'm not too much fun to be around, right? And none of us are, right? My daughter has the best term ever. She says, when you're not getting enough sleep, you're a grumpy fish. (laughs) I think that just describes it all to everybody out there, right? So, So when we think about sleep, and we think about sleep deprivation, we know that it affects us in three specific areas. Our mental health, our emotional health, those are different. Mental being cognition, memory, attention, and focus. Emotion being anxiety, depression, mental health issues. And then of course our physical health as well. Well, very, very interesting. I'm loving this chat with you already because I have learned so many things. And it's incredible because if I think about it, I myself love, um, very passionate when it comes to sports, especially boxing. And um, mm. I remember a few training sessions, what I had on a Saturday. Back then, mm. uh, I was 19, 20. Uh, no, was it 19? Mm-hmm. Whatever. I w- I w- it was a few years back, but I remember that I was out late a lot of the times. And then right. on Saturday when I had the training, especially my reaction, that is totally true what you said. That was slow. 100% not as aggressive yeah 100% different performance than with a good night's sleep and back then obviously as a young young guy you don't really connect or um, connect the dots there right. but and why would you you hadn't been trained in it right yeah. but now what we're starting to see is with athletes athletes are now starting to have high performance sleep coaches yeah. right like I'm a high performance sleep coach for several American athletes and it makes a lot of sense especially at the professional level because you know, the difference between the gold and the silver medal Definitely. could be a good night's sleep. 100%. No question. It's rest time and that's when your body really gets gets to rest, right? I mean, I mean what I find so interesting as well, you, you mentioned circadian rhythm and that's obviously what mm-hmm. we work with as well to a certain degree with fasting. Um, what would you yep. say, like what's the relationship between fasting and a better sleep? from your point of view? Oh, so there's quite a bit. So I've written extensively. I'm an intermittent faster myself um, and have been for many years. And I find that number one, fasting helps me maintain my energy levels in many cases, right? And so I don't know about you, but when I have too much food at the wrong time, it just slows me down. It, you know, it keeps me in the doldrums. It doesn't give me that go, go, go type of thing. And my body really uses that energy differently, right? However, if I can keep my eating to about a six hour window or so, six to seven hour window, sometimes even less, what I've discovered is number one, energy all day long. But most interestingly, 
No problem sleeping. <clears throat> so many people don't realize that if you can follow an intermittent fasting schedule or just a general fasting schedule, you can also follow a sleep schedule. And that's where the two tie in quite nicely together. So, and, and the other thing to remember is that certain foods can actually help with sleep. For example, carbohydrates. We know that carbohydrates, when entering into the system, and remember, everybody's got to have some carbs, right? Definitely. When those enter into the system, it increases serotonin. Yep. Serotonin is the calming hormone, and that's great for right before bed, right? And so calming people down before bed, because a lot, let's be honest, we got a pandemic going on here. I mean, there's stress everywhere. Definitely. So being able to have some control over your eating schedule, number one, is important because it's nice to have some control over something these days. Um, number two, it's also nice because you can create a schedule for you for eating, for sleeping, for, <laughs> excuse me, exercise. So what I like to do is I like to have that kind of a control in my 24-hour system. So I have a movement schedule, I have an eating schedule, and I have a sleeping schedule. And as they all intermix, they work with each other to make me perform even better. Wow. I, I, love the, I love the thought of that. And to, be, to be honest, since this is the first time, that's why I'm saying it's really inspiring, where myself, I'm like questioning myself, okay, I'm so into health and holistic health and obviously I'm always aware yeah sleep is important it's good but you're really making me aware of okay why am I planning workouts fitness boxing my nutrition exactly all of this but I'm not planning my sleep and that's okay I must say one thing what I do plan and I've noticed it really gives me a better sleep is I leave my technical devices outside of the room and that really helps know. me to to wind down I, I read a book or I do yeah. some journaling and then I go to sleep yeah. and I'm sure you've got some advice for our listeners as well how they can optimize their sleep would you say this is some of it because I can just imagine how many people go to bed mm. with their laptop or watch tv and that's right. just probably a different kind of sleep you get after that right so I think that's exactly the way to think about it is it, it is a different kind of sleep than what you would get if you were in a room that was very quiet, very dark, very cool, things like that. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? My wife falls asleep with the television on every single night, okay? I'm the sleep doctor for God's sakes, all right? And my wife, I mean, we have a French bulldog in the bed. We have the television on. There's a cat wandering around somewhere, right? But that's the reality of the world. And so everybody has different things that are going to affect them in different ways. So what do I do? I have an eye mask. That helps block out the light from the television. Okay. I have special earplugs from Bose that plays sleep music for me so I don't have to hear the dog snoring. My dog snores louder than me. Um, and I've got a great pillow. I've got an amazing bed. And so when I've got all of that together, I sleep just fine, right? Now, my wife, on the other hand, has to have the TV and the dog and all of those things. So sometimes there's a balance that has to be played, but I want to be very clear about something. It's not wrong to fall asleep with the television on. It's not wrong to do any of these things. If your body is willing to adapt, that's great. However, if you really want to get the highest quality sleep, don't be an idiot, okay? Don't sleep with the TV on. Don't sleep with the dog in the bed. You know, like, like be smart about it. Set up an environment that's conducive to sleep and the quality of that sleep will improve pretty dramatically. 
totally makes makes sense the environment about that right you're the product of your surrounding and that will obviously fit in with with sleep as well I'm totally with you on that I mean one other point and that's why fasting can be so beneficial as well is obviously having your last meal at a certain time of the day and then giving your body the time to digest to then obviously get into a yeah go to sleep in a fasted state not sorry not fast to say but digested state because obviously right. your body can take the time to repair itself overnight and doesn't have to use the time to digest so would you recommend as well to have a certain period of time maybe a few hours two three um, hours where you say no food intake except certain types of food where like you just said that are sure. beneficial for better sleep Well, here's the thing is you have to really play around because everybody's, you know, kind of different, right? And so what I tell people all the time is you don't want to go to bed hungry, but you don't want to go to bed full either. So I usually tell people you need to have stopped eating about two or three hours before lights out just to allow your body to move through, clear the food and get you kind of in a better place. But let's say you had a long night, you didn't get a chance to eat enough, and you don't want to go to bed hungry. So there I'm asking people to have maybe a 200 to 250 calorie snack. Um, it should be about 75% carbohydrates and about 25% protein or fat, okay? And so what I'm talking about here is like, you know, an apple with some nut butter on it, right? Yeah. Or a rice cake with some avocado yeah. or something along those lines. Because again, you don't want to put too much into your system that's going to cause a lot of issues in terms of digestion, but you also don't really want to go to bed, uh, you know, with an empty growling stomach because that will keep you awake as well. Uh, make, makes sense. Yeah, maybe just to, to clarify, like you just said, like an apple, um, Good, good calves, obviously, for our listeners listening, right. not um, a pizza or calves like that, right? That's, you wouldn't right. recommend that. That's yeah, pizza before bed is not a good idea, <laughs> yeah. but an apple and some nut butter is probably a much better idea. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can see that. Definitely makes sense. Um, one question what would interest me personal, personally as well, because I'm looking into um, experimenting with power naps. And I know that a lot of our listeners, mm -hmm. they uh, comment that uh, or give us these, these comments and ask us about power naps as well. What is your advice on that? Right. Power napping. So when you look at napping, there's a couple of things that you should think about. So number one, anybody who has a problem falling asleep or staying asleep should never nap, period. Remember how I was talking about the sleep drive yeah. versus the sleep rhythm earlier? If you have a problem sleeping and you take a nap during the day, you've now lowered that sleep drive. That is no bueno, as they say, not a great idea, okay? So what I tell people all the time is, if you can't sleep well, don't nap, number one. But let's say you had a crappy night. You had four hours, five hours, some dog was barking, or you had to get up early for a flight or something like that. There are two types of naps that I really recommend. There's the power nap, which is 25 minutes or less, or a full sleep cycle nap, which is 90 minutes or more. Generally speaking, I don't like people taking the 90 minute naps, primarily because it makes it really difficult to fall asleep at night. So generally I tell people, look, 25 minute nap, and all you need to do is look at somewhere between one and three in the afternoon, The reason for that timing is we have a natural melatonin spike that occurs between one and three in the afternoon. It's very small, but it can be helpful in making you fall asleep. Now, for folks out there who are like, oh my gosh, every day between one and three, I'm exhausted and I have to go get a cup of coffee or a candy bar or something like that. Here's a little trick that you can do. Because of this small melatonin spike, 
what you could what you can do is go outside and get some sunlight it turns out that melatonin cannot be produced in the presence of sunlight so and after lunch instead of taking a coffee break do yourself a favor take a sunshine break walk outside for 15 minutes and you will stop feeling that overwhelming sleepiness fairly quickly if you do that every day for about seven to ten days it should go away pretty nicely wow that's that's a good good one and i will well so i don't know how um the summer is over there like summer in germany here is uh not the best this year but uh it makes mm. sense it makes sense whereabouts are you from dr bruce i'm in uh, los angeles california ah okay perfect so obviously sun is it's beautiful weather here all year round i i mean i think it rains here like maybe for a week <laughs> for one week okay so uh, i'm, I'm yeah. definitely at the wrong place i have to Come over, come over there. Come on over to LA, bro. You'll love it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I have to, I have to try it, try that out. 100. So incredible, incredible advice. Um, maybe just to to finalize this, like if if you would mm -hmm. um have a have the last uh, few words for our listeners out there. What is like the you best bet. advice where you would say to to if you are a person who have always found difficulties with really getting good sleep or getting to bed um, at mm -hmm. a certain time, how would you start yep. to, to change? If uh, give So I'm going to give all of your listeners a five-step plan that they can start tonight, won't cost them a dime, and it will absolutely improve their sleep. Love okay? it. Love it. Step number one is choose one wake-up time. Not go to bedtime, wake-up time, and stick to it seven days a week. This is based on what we were talking about before, which is your chronotype. So if you don't know what that is, go to www.chronoquiz.com. We'll put that in the show notes for people afterwards, but chronoquiz.com. Take my quiz. It'll tell you exactly what time to wake up. So step number one is one wake up time. Step number two has to do with caffeine. Many people don't know it, but caffeine has a half-life of six to eight hours. Wow. So eight hours after you drink it, it's still in your system. So step number two is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. This way, at least half of it is out of your system by 10, which is kind of roughly when most people are at least thinking about going to bed. Step number three has to do with alcohol. Many people don't realize it, but even though alcohol makes you feel sleepy, it's terrible for your sleep cycles. So if you can, stop alcohol three hours before bed and have no more than two drinks. And when you have those two drinks, add two glasses of water. Remember, alcohol is a diuretic, makes you have to go to the bathroom. So you don't want to be drinking too close to bedtime because it's going to make you wake up and pee in the middle of the night. So step number three is to stop alcohol three hours before bed. Step number four is one you already do. I can tell you're pretty buff. It's all about exercise. I love it when people are exercising. It's the easiest way to improve their sleep quality, but you don't want to do it too close to bedtime because you'll raise your core body temperature. Remember, our core body temperature has to go down, not up. So step number four, exercise daily, but stop exercise four hours before bed. Step number five has to do with waking up in the morning. I created a very simple little routine that I call the three 15s. So the first thing you do when you wake up is take 15 deep breaths. This helps wake up your respiratory system and get things going. The second thing you do is you drink 15 ounces of water. 
Water, remember, sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. We want people to hydrate, not caffeinate, when they wake up in the morning. And then the third 15 is to get 15 minutes of sunlight to help clear that brain fog in the morning. So, in summary, step number one, one wake-up time based on your chronotype. Step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Step number three, stop alcohol three hours before bed and only limit it to two drinks. Step number four is exercise daily, but stop exercise four hours before bed. And step number five is the rule of 15s, 15 deep breaths, 15 ounces of water, and 15 minutes of sunshine. You do that, and I guarantee you're going to get some great sleep. This is something I will guarantee uh, you that I will definitely try out because that sounds that sounds perfect. And that's uh, that's like we said before, or like I just realized as well. I haven't got a schedule for that, and you're just giving our Get listeners. Get one, bro. Perfect. So f thank you so much. Like it was a blessing to have you on the show, and it's just incredible. So. Merci beaucoup. Uh, Dankeschön in German. Thanks so much. Thank um, you. Incredible. So yeah, Dr. Bruce, thanks so much. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure. If people would like to learn more about my work and my research, I do have a website. It's www.thesleepdoctor. Doctor is all spelled out, .com. Also, I have a new book coming out. Here it is. It's called Energize, How to Go from Dragging Ass to Kicking It in 30 Days. Nice. And you'll love it because it's all, it's got intermittent fasting, it's got movement, and it's got sleep in it. It's perfect for you, dude. Wow, perfect. Love it. And yeah, if uh, our listeners to you guys, if you want to check out more from Dr. Bruce, you know the deal. Click in the link in the description down below. We'll definitely put in the quiz as well so you know what your chronotype is his books and his websites and to follow him on social media. So thanks for tuning in yes. and see you next time on the Fasting Feel Good podcast. And thanks so much, Dr. Bruce. It was incredible. Thank you and sweet dreams to you and all of your listeners. Mm -hmm.